0: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Today, the state's most populous county, L.A. County, moves into the less restrictive orange COVID tier. That means retail businesses, supermarkets, salons, and barbershops will be able to raise their indoor capacity from 50 to 75 percent, although public health officials are recommending against doing that immediately. Also, breweries and wineries that don't serve meals will be able to reopen indoors at 25 percent capacity, and bars that don't serve food will be able to reopen with limited outdoor seating. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says the county waited a few days to allow businesses to increase capacity to make sure their COVID-19 numbers continue to trend downward.
1: It is always an effort to balance our need to move forward on our recovery journey, which thankfully we're able to do because our numbers uh, really indicate much less community transmission, Uh, but we want to protect ourselves and make sure that we don't do anything with haste or not carefully um, because we really can't afford uh, to see our case numbers still go back up.
0: L.A. County also wanted more workers to be able to get vaccinated. Over the weekend, the county dropped below 600 people hospitalized due to the virus for the first time in months. And looking ahead, California will allow indoor gatherings like concerts and theater performances and private events to restart with restrictions beginning April 15th. With more on that, here's KQED's Michelle Wiley. In the announcement on Friday, state officials said low coronavirus case numbers, coupled with the availability of tools like rapid testing and vaccines, have allowed for larger gatherings to happen. According to the new guidance, attendees will have to provide proof that they've tested negative for the coronavirus within 72 hours of the event, or that they've been fully vaccinated. For now, officials said the state will not be involved in verifying these credentials, but instead expect the private sector to be part of the process. They hope that the reopening of events like this will incentivize people to get vaccinated. Venue capacity will depend on what tier the county is in. Facilities may also establish fully vaccinated sections where people can sit close together, but masks will still be required. For the California Report, I'm Michelle Wiley. L.A. County is also expected to update its own travel advisory today after the CDC issued new guidance on Friday that people who are fully vaccinated can travel safely. The CDC says that people who are fully vaccinated do not need to get tested or self-quarantine when traveling, although they still must follow safety guidelines like wearing a mask and social distancing. It's unclear if the revised guidelines will fully align with the federal guidance. L.A. County is required that travelers who travel from out of state or from outside the U.S. self-quarantine for 10 days. A temporary shelter for unaccompanied migrant children that's opened at San Diego's convention center is expected to reach its maximum capacity in the coming days. Nearly 1,200 teenage girls and some boys, mostly from Central America, are being sheltered there. But there's room for only a couple of hundred more. In addition, over 130 of the children have tested positive for COVID. They've been separated from the rest of the miners and are living on a different floor at the convention center. Meanwhile, federal authorities are considering two more facilities in California to temporarily house unaccompanied migrant children. The Department of Health and Human Services has asked to use the California National Guard's Camp Roberts, located near Paso Robles. A Pentagon spokesperson confirms that they have received the request. The city of Long Beach's convention center could also be used as a temporary shelter, according to the Long Beach Post. But city officials haven't confirmed any talks with the federal government. Meanwhile, California is home to an estimated 900,000 undocumented immigrants who came to the U.S. as children, many of whom are waiting for the Senate to pass legislation that would offer them a path to citizenship. The House approved such legislation last month. KQD's Farida Javala-Romero reports on one California Dreamer working to achieve permanent protections.
2: In September 2017, Gabriela Cruz watched in shock as the Trump administration announced it was ending Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA.
1: That was like a a big wake-up call for me.
2: The Obama-era program had allowed her and hundreds of thousands of other young undocumented immigrants to work legally in this country and be safe from deportation. Also felt like I, I could live my life in peace and look forward to a future. At the time, she was 27 and working at a mortgage bank in Santa Cruz, where she has lived since her mom brought her from Mexico as a baby. Losing DACA would have meant going back into the shadows. She had to do something, so she and her mom started selling hundreds of homemade tamales to raise money for a trip to Washington, D.C. with other DACA recipients. Young immigrants were gathering again before the Capitol to rally in support of the DREAM Act, which was introduced in Congress for the first time in 2001. hearing and being a part of chants and protests like this one made her realize she could not live her life in fear. She became a full-time organizer. This is about demanding dignity and equality for our community. Cruz is now 31 and the California coordinator for United We Dream, a national network pushing to legalize undocumented immigrants. Part of that is getting this year's DREAM Act through the Senate. That bill would offer a pathway to citizenship to an estimated 1.7 million DREAMers. Polls show Americans overwhelmingly support that, but the proposed legislation needs 60 votes to pass in the evenly split Senate.
1: Immigration advocates and undocumented young people in particular have a very difficult hill to climb.
2: Tom Wong directs the U.S. Immigration Policy Center at UC San Diego.
1: So the question is, where do those additional 10 votes come from, assuming that Democrats hold party line?
2: For now, United We Dream and other advocates say they've been meeting with Republican Senate staffers and trying to pressure senators like Marco Rubio of Florida. Protesters live-streamed as they brought a mariachi band to Rubio's home last week to, quote, wake him up to protect immigrants. Wong says even if the bill doesn't get the 60 votes, the fight is far from over.
1: We have seen undocumented young people put their lives at stake in order to advance things like DACA. And so I think we can expect uh, similar things to come.
2: Gabriela Cruz says they'll keep up the pressure on lawmakers and President Biden, who campaigned on more humane immigration policies, bringing out first-time voters like Cruz's two younger sisters who were born in the U.S.
1: Now it's time for them to fulfill these promises that they made to our community and come through. And many people who voted for the first time came from mixed status families like mine. So not only is the immigrant community ready for this, but as a country,
2: we are ready for this. And that's a dream she'll keep fighting for. For The California Report, I'm Farida romero Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
0: KQED.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's Podcast with an S. Thanks. Across the country, members of Asian American and Pacific Islander communities continue to speak out against a spike in violence targeting them, from seemingly random attacks on the street to the killing of six Asian women in Atlanta. <laughs> In Los Angeles's Koreatown neighborhood on Friday, female AAPI religious, labor, and civil rights leaders led a ceremony in the park to honor the victims of such crimes and to make an appeal for solidarity. Mirla Baldinano is an organizer at L.A.'s Filipino Worker Center and talked to me about her personal fears.
1: You know, I, I walk every afternoon for my cardio fitness, but I don't do that anymore.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, you, you, because- you're, you're that frightened of what could happen.
1: How frightened we are. Like, you know what happened in New York? It was broad daylight when that woman was attacked. So I don't want to take a chance.
0: So it's changed your life in very tangible ways.
1: Yes, yes. So we have to be visible. I mean, there's an Asian demeanor of being shy and just stepping back. But now we have to be visible.
0: Hapen hey M Im is a prominent organizer in LA's Korean community who recently met with members of the Biden administration to talk about AAPI hate crimes. She says it's often been historically difficult for Asian Americans to get attention for the challenges they face.
1: I think that Asians, we stand in this no man's land uh, where we get none of the privilege of white privilege and we also then lack the solidarity with other communities of color when we're suffering together and also none of the investments that are made are given perhaps to help advance communities. And yet at the same time, I am grateful again that in this window that so many allies have come to stand with us.
0: I know you you spoke to Vice President uh, uh, Harris recently. I saw you speaking to the city attorney here in this park where we are today. Do you like what you hear either from local leaders to national leaders who seriously want to respond to this?
1: So, yes and no. I actually don't like what I hear in the sense of that their, their uh, sympathy only goes so far. And I've spoken to state senators, the sheriff. I've, been, I, I've talked to so many people. I've heard
0: a lot of pretty words.
1: Yes. However, yesterday for the very first time, <laughs> I saw something that was very hopeful, two things. So first of all, we've been advocating when people make comments about black-brown communities to include Asians. And you know what? President Biden said black, brown, and Asian Pacific Islanders. This is like, hallelujah. I I was like, I was celebrating because that's something I've been fighting for, right? And then, and so I would love to see that just throughout this country, that we're all in this together. We're in that same solidarity. Now, the second piece that I thought was that the COVID task force, they announced the COVID task force was creating a subcommittee that focused on xenophobia. And so for me, that was hope. So yes, it's a yes, no, yes, no.
0: (laughs) That's Korean-American activist hae M. Im. Roughly a million Californians could soon see additional food assistance under a settlement agreed to recently by the Biden administration. KQED politics reporter Guy Maserati has more.
2: At the start of the pandemic, Congress passed an emergency expansion of food stamps, sending around $100 extra a month to low-income households. But the Trump administration blocked the extra benefits from going to families who already received the maximum $194 a month through the program called CalFresh in California. Participants in California sued the Trump administration. Now, the Biden administration says it will settle the suit and start issuing the extra food benefits. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati.
0: And finally, a nearly 30-year wait for the Stanford Cardinal has ended, with the women's basketball team capturing its third national title, defeating Arizona 54-53 to yesterday. The Cardinal ended the season with a 31-2 record. They last won the NCAA title in 1992. Senior guard Kiana Williams spoke after the game about the challenges they faced this year.
1: I don't think any other team um, in this tournament Had to, you know, live out of a suitcase, live out out of a hotel for for 10 weeks uh, during the season. Um, And we had to do that because that's how bad we wanted to play.
0: The team was forced on the road for nearly 10 weeks because of COVID-19 regulations in Santa Clara County, spending 86 days in hotels. Sophomore Haley Jones, who had 17 points on Sunday, was named the tournament's most outstanding player. (laughs) And that's the California Report for Monday, April 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCoie.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org AdaptingCare.